Before we get into the actual text, I want to start with just a little exercise for us this morning. So if you'll indulge your, your pastor for just a moment. If, if everybody could just close your eyes with me. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to, to visualize this morning that we are actually sitting in our brand new building where we're supposed to be. Smell the new glue from the carpet going down. You can smell the fresh paint on the walls. You can look to your right or left and see those beautiful stained glass windows and the sun coming in. You can look up and see that beautiful wood uh, cathedral ceiling. You can imagine that underneath you right now is that nice soft padded chair. Uh, Actually, don't think about that too much. I don't want you to be miserable today, but uh, okay. So the message you're about to hear, you can open your eyes now. The message you're about to hear is for that setting, okay? This is planned. This is what we're just going to roll with this morning, that this is us moving into a new building, to a new season of our ministry, to a new, uh, a new direction, and not new direction, to a new, um, uh, new time for our church, okay? And so what I want to do today is, um, is set us up for that, for that transition, and as we do that, I want to take a moment to even think back to our last transition. When we first started services right in this room, January 15th, 2017, first public services of Harvest here in Green Park. How many, just, I'm just curious, show of hands, how many of you were here on launch Sunday? Show of hands. All right. That's awesome. So glad you guys are still here faithfully serving and faithfully being here, but look how many people are new since then, right? Like, that's awesome. And I remember that first Sunday when we were here, like, new space, new people, new anticipation about what God was going to do in the years ahead of ministry, and, but there was this kind of lingering question, right, over the whole thing about, why are we doing this, why are we planting a new church? I mean, there's other churches around. Why are we starting a new church? Or why are we worshiping in a, in a gym, a cafetorium, right? Why, why are we sweating our faces off, setting up and tearing down every Sunday into a trailer to do this? Why start a new church? And for those of us who had been building up to that point, the answer was simple. To glorify God by reaching the lost and making disciples. Like, that's why we're here. That's why we started. That, that's always been the mission. And the reason that's our mission is because that's God's mission. Like, when you look at the New Testament, when you look at the Bible, like, that's precisely what he told his church to do. And so we're not doing anything new here. It's not like we're, like, reinventing something. And we're just trying to do what God has called us to do in a way that's going to make an impact here in our city And that reason, that mission that we started this church four and a half years ago is the exact same mission, the exact same purpose that we're now going to be moving into a new facility and doing it all over again right there, right? New season, yes. New space, yes. Same mission, right? That doesn't change, church. And we have to keep pressing into that. We have to keep doubling down on that. And so today... I want to preach to you from the same passage that I preached to our church on launch Sunday when we started here in this room four and a half years ago. Joshua chapter 1, 
verses 1 through 9. And I want to use this passage. I, I started back then when we started that service. The sermon that day was called Strong God, Courageous Faith. And so today, I just want to use that again and say, today it's Strong God, Courageous Faith, Continues. Because we're still pressing into the same thing. So I want to use this to reinvigorate us, to, to remind us, to call us back to the mission of God for Harvest Church as we move into this new season. So the main thought I have for you this morning is this. God's strength compels us to keep walking in courageous faith. God's strength compels us to keep walking in courageous faith. So chapter 1, verse 1, look at me at the text here. It says, After the death of Moses the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, Uh, As far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. First point I want you to see this morning is this. Harvest Church, keep pursuing God's promises. Verse 1 starts off with this phrase. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Now, I don't want to gloss over that too quickly because that's a super important setup statement here for what's happening in this text. This would have been a huge deal for Israel, right? Moses had been their primary leader for over 40 years. He was the guy. He was their mediator between themselves and God. He was the embodiment of God's promises to them. And now he's dead. He's gone. It's easy to imagine how that could have maybe shaken their faith a little bit. How that could have made them like wonder what's next and what, what does this mean and, and wh- where do we go from here? And God says, Moses is dead. And it says, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Now, when he calls out Joshua here, he calls him the son of Nun, which is kind of a common thing. And during this time, they didn't really have last names. They just, you were called by your dad's name, right? So he, it's basically calling him like Joshua Nun was kind of his name, right? Like Micah Mathis. It was just a common vernacular for describing who you're talking about. And so you needed that to understand, like, this Joshua versus this Joshua. But notice, Moses didn't have that. It wasn't like Moses, son of... Like, Moses never had that. Because he was Moses, right? Like, Gandhi or Bono. Like, you, you just don't need another name. Like, that's just... You know who they are because they're just that big. And so Moses here is gone, but now we have Joshua, the son of Nun, who was Moses' assistant. Right? Like this guy who is unknown, unproven, 
untested as a leader. Like, he's just been the assistant the whole time. Like, and now he's going to be the guy? Really? Right? But this is such a good thing for Israel. It's such a good thing for Joshua because when you're untested, when you're unproven, when you don't have that experience, you are completely 100% dependent on God. And that's a really good place to be. And so he starts talking to Joshua here and he says, Therefore, arise and go. Moses is dead. Therefore, arise and go. He's saying, first, basically, listen, this is not the end of the story. Right? We're not done yet. It's just the next chapter. And I think it's also interesting that he says, therefore, arise and go. He doesn't say, Moses is dead, but still, let's go. No, he says, therefore, because Moses is dead, now is the time to arise and go. You're saying, this wasn't plan B for God. Like, he always knew this was the plan. This is how he was going to do it. And now he's telling Joshua, listen, I've got this. Your dependence, your faith, your perseverance is not tied to Moses. It's not tied to a man. It's tied to me. We as the church today need to remember that and relearn that, that God's mission is completely independent of any of us. It's his it's not ours, right? It's, it's not tied to a man. It's not tied to a place. It's not tied to an organization or a name. Sometimes Christians today can get so shook up when, when a, a, a spiritual leader derails or fails or falls in some way. They're like, oh, what are we going to do now? Or when, when the location changes and it's it's not familiar anymore. It doesn't feel like church anymore. It doesn't feel like home anymore because we're in a different place. Or the organization name changes or whatever the thing might be. Like, God's not shook up by any of that. God's not like, oh my goodness, I didn't see that one coming. Like, I guess I'm going to have to replan now. God's mission is bigger than all of that. And that's what he's calling us to. Right? It, it, the way it looks who's leading, what the name is, all that might change from season to season, but God's mission stays the same. And he tells Joshua, he says, Arise and go into the land that I am giving them. He goes on to say, I've given it to you just as I promised. This is so important. God is saying, listen, I'm the one giving it. That's always the way it works with us and God, by the way. We never take anything from God. God gives it when he wants us to have it. He says here, I'm giving the land that I promised to them. Ultimately, it's God's doing. It's not Joshua. It's not Moses. It's not the people. They're not making the promise happen. They're not making this be fulfilled. God is the one fulfilling this promise. Now, just to be clear, just so we're not getting into some bad theological space here. Church, we are not Israel. Okay, <laughs> can we just get that on the table, right? Like, God has not promised us a special land. He hasn't given us Afton or St. Louis or, like, he hasn't promised us that. But there are some very real, big promises that he has made to us, that he has made to the church. And he is just as faithful 
to fulfill those promises to us as he was to Israel with Joshua back in this day. And so just as he's calling Joshua and Israel up to pursue the promises that he's given them, he's calling the church up to pursue the promises and keep going for the promises that he's given to us. So let me just kind of highlight three of those for you this morning. Number one, God promises to us, number one, that he will build his church. We've stood on this verse from the very earliest days of harvest, Matthew 16, 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Pastor Micah did not build this church. Our elders, our leadership team, as awesome as they are, they didn't build this church. And this isn't the only church God is building, by the way. When God promises to build his church, that's happening all over the globe right now. And we just get to be a small part of that. Praise the Lord. But it's our job to step into that promise and be pursuing it here in this place with this people for the glory of God's name. Second promise, that he will save the lost. Luke 19.10, Jesus is talking and he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus is like, this is the whole reason I'm here. I'm promising you, I'm here to save the lost. Romans 10.9, Paul says it like this, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God promises that if you will turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus, that he will save you. He's going to continue to save the lost around us as the church is pursuing the promise of that on his behalf. We can be sure that this work, this church is going to make an impact in reaching the lost for Christ. God promises that. Third promise, that he will be with us on mission, which makes the second promise even sweeter. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, he says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And here it is. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's a promise. That as long as we are following Christ, as long as we are pursuing the mission, as long as we are walking as the church of God, that he will be with us. Saving the lost, making disciples, building his church. So we too, like Joshua, like the Israelites, we too can know that God has given us these promises and that he, not us, he will fulfill them But our part is to keep going because the mission isn't over. And he wants to use us like he used Joshua to fulfill that. He goes on, he says, no man shall be able to stand before you. He says this to Joshua, which is a really strong statement, right? So so what does that that mean? Does that mean that Joshua's never going to have any opposition? He's never going to have any trials or suffering or problems? Certainly not. We just spent a whole summer studying the book of 1 Peter that tells us that that's not the way it works, amen? 
He says also, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. If you know the story of Moses, did Moses have some suffering? Did Moses have some trials along the way? (laughs) Did he have some problems he had to deal with? For sure. So what God is saying, Joshua's like, just like I was with him, I will be with you. Yes, there might be some problems, there's going to be some opposition, but you will be able to keep going and keep believing because I will be with you, just like I was with Moses. God never promises that we won't have opposition, but he does promise that if we're with him, we'll never be defeated. He says it right here, I will never, I will not leave you or forsake you. God promises his help, his strength, and his presence to those who keep going with him on mission for his glory. And then he comes to this really famous line here in Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous. He's actually going to say that three times in this short little monologue here to Joshua. But this time he says, be strong and courageous, and you shall cause this people to inherit the land, to inherit the promises. Now, again, God is still the one fulfilling the promises, right? He's still the one ultimately doing it. But he says, I'm going to use you, Joshua. I'm going to use you to be the one who causes this people to inherit the promises that I have for them. God fulfills the promises to us. He fulfills the promises to this world. But he uses us, he uses the church to fulfill those promises. To make those a reality in the lives of the people, of the community, of the world. So we, our part is we have to keep pursuing those promises as God works them out in every season of life, in every season of ministry. God fulfills his promise through us, so keep going. What does this look like? We've been doing this for four and a half years now. Hopefully we've already been doing this. So what's this look like in our church? Now, we have some things around here that we kind of stand on. We have some, some, some culture that we've tried to build. And one of those things that we say is that a disciple is someone who worships Christ, right? Someone who shows up on a regular basis. We gather together on Sundays to corporately worship Christ together. And when we do that, when we come here and we worship and we glorify him, he is using that time to fortify our hearts, to fortify our minds with his word, with his spirit, to build his church. Sunday mornings are so crucial because it's the time where God works corporately together in the body to fortify and to build his church. He's fulfilling that promise as we come together and are intentional and are consistent in our worshiping of Christ. We make it about him and not about us. Then he can do his work. Another thing that we say as a disciple is someone who walks with Christ. And so on top of Sunday mornings, every week, we gather together in small groups, right? And we get together in a house or at the church building, and and we study, and we pray, and we challenge one another, and we encourage one another. And when we're doing that, God promises that his presence is with us, and he's in that room, and he's in that prayer time, and he's in that conversation, and he is helping us make disciples. And on the weeks when it feels like, man, that didn't 
seem to really go anywhere, or it's, I, I haven't had a breakthrough in a while, and, and we're just kind of trudging through, and like, I got to go to small group again this week, and just know that even though you might not always feel it, you might not always have that warm fuzzy, by you continuing to pursue the promise of God that he will make disciples in our midst, being faithful to that, he will do it. One of our pillars here at Harvest is unafraid witness. We want to boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And every time that he gives us an opportunity to do that, to share our faith, to share our story, to boldly proclaim who Jesus is, he's giving us a chance to step into his promises of saving the lost. And we get to be the ones who get to have the the, the, the joy and the experience of getting to see someone come to Christ, of, of God saving them. But we have to be willing to step into that promise and be obedient and be faithful to share. Our church has to be obedient and faithful to keep proclaiming the gospel so that God can use that proclamation to save the lost. Some of you are here this morning and you might think that you just wandered in this morning or it just happened to kind of come together that way, but I, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are not here by accident. God brought you here to this place right now to give you a chance to benefit from what this church has been doing for four and a half years, which is sharing the gospel. And so if, you, if, if you've never come to put your faith in Jesus Christ, I just want you to know this morning, like, this is a great place for you to be right now. God's opening an opportunity for you right now. See, we believe here, we understand the Bible teaches that all of us, myself included, you, all of us, that we are sinners. Right? It doesn't take very long to figure that out. We're born with sinful natures, and we desire our own way, and we're selfish, and we're prideful, and we lie, and we're like all these things, and we go completely against God. We go against his word. We rebel against the holy God of the universe. And that sin separates us from him. It severs the relationship that God designed us to have with him. And the only way that that can be fixed is not by doing better or working harder or, or going to church more. The only way that gets fixed is because by God's grace and in his love for you, he sent Jesus Christ his only son to come to be born as a man and to walk a perfect and sinless life on earth, to get to the cross, to get to the end of his life and to willingly lay it down, to give his life so that he could pay for the sins of all who would believe in him. And he went to the cross and he stood in your place. He took the wrath, he took the punishment, he took the death that you deserved, that I deserved. And he took it on himself and he paid it on our behalf and he went into the grave only three days later to rise back to life. To prove that he was God and to offer us this opportunity to fulfill the promise. That if you will come, if you'll put your faith in me, turn and repent of sin and believe in Jesus that you will be saved. If you haven't done that, do it today. Stop, stop waiting. Stop making excuses. Stop thinking that it's going to be better down the road. It's not. God has given you the opportunity right now. He's fulfilling this promise in your life right now if you will believe in him.
at Harvest Church. We've done this for four and a half years. This is what we're going to keep doing. And for four and a half decades in the future, or however much long that God will keep this thing going. Because I want to be a part of, you want to be a part of the promises of God being fulfilled on the earth and his kingdom being multiplied and his name being glorified. Amen? Amen. That's point number one. Others are a little bit, little bit quicker. Verse 7. Verse 7 says, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Point number two, keep walking in God's word. This time he says, only be strong and very courageous. He's adding emphasis here. He's saying, like, what I'm about to tell you next is like the most important thing. This is what is the foundation for fulfilling the promises, for going on the mission, right? If you really want to have good success, he says that twice, right? Good success. What do you got to do? You have to know and do God's word. That's where it all starts. You know, God's word has been a foundation here at Harvest from the very beginning. Many of you, as I've had side conversations with you, you've told me that the primary reason you came or the primary reason that you stayed here is because you found a church that was centered on and grounded in God's word in everything that we do. We believe that this book is primary, right? Unapologetic, expository preaching every Sunday. What does it say, and what do we do with it? We want to proclaim the authority of God's word without apology. And then we follow up Sundays with our small groups, where we talk about how do we live out what we've learned? How do we apply God's word to guide and inform our everyday lives? He says here, God's word shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So he's, he's, he's focusing there on the mind and on the mouth, right? The way we think and the way we speak. If the only time you hear or study or turn to God's word is for an hour on Sunday mornings, it's not going to work. If, if you only made one healthy decision for your, like in your physical life, if you made one healthy decision for one hour a week and the rest of the week completely off the, off the rails, is that going to change your life? Is that going to help you physically? Is that going to do any difference at all? No. Spiritually, it's the same way. If Sunday morning is the only time you're getting God's word in your life, you're not going to know it. You're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to meditate on it. You're not going to be able to speak it. Having an obligatory prayer once in the morning or once at night before you go to bed, all right, God, just check it in. All right, thanks. Have a great day. See you later. That's not enough. 
I want to have a relationship with my wife and I only talk to her once a day, like, hey, love you, hon, and then I don't talk to her again until the next, like, that's not going to work. Same thing with God, same thing with his word. Like, we have to be in it, we have to be meditating on it, we have to be thinking on it, we have to be speaking it. God's word must be so beloved and so familiar to you that it is the filter for every single area of your life. We have to read it. We have to sit in it. We have to speak it. We have to be changed by it every single day. He says, meditate on it. He says, speak it. And then three times in this passage, he uses the idea of just to do it. Do God's word. Right? Thinking about it's great. Speaking it's even better. But if that's all you do, that falls short. It has to then flow down into my actions, into my behaviors. Now, your thinking and your speaking is what sets the culture. It's what sets your expectations for your life. That's where it starts is in the mind and in the mouth. But it has to then flow through you into your behaviors, into your decisions, into your everyday life. If you've been around Harvest very long, you've heard me say this probably a hundred times. Here at Harvest, we're just crazy enough to believe that God of the universe actually wrote a book that tells me exactly who he is and how to follow him. And so why would I not want to know and do everything that it says? But so many times, even as Christians, we fail to walk according to God's word. I think there's five main reasons why this happens. Maybe, this, maybe you'll be able to find one of these that can help you this week. Number one, sometimes we fail to walk according to God's word because we're just dumb to what it says. We just don't know. We, we don't even know what it says, so we, po- we can't possibly walk in it. <laughs> and so if, if, that's you, if, you, if you just don't have a good working knowledge of the Bible yet, then, then read it. Don't, don't keep making excuses. Don't keep putting it off. Don't keep thinking that Sunday mornings is enough. Read and study God's word so you no longer have this barrier to following Jesus. Second reason is the desire to please myself over God. Sometimes I, I know what it says. <laughs> I just don't want to do what it says because I would rather please me. I'd rather do what I want to do. I'd rather keep, keep this, the focus here rather than on what God has called me to. That's just sinful pride, selfishness. And the only answer to that is repentance. You just need to repent. You need to turn to God and like, God, please forgive me and change my heart. Like, I want to follow you. I don't want to follow my own desires. Number three, sometimes we're just distracted by lesser things. We get distracted by other things in this life that we start thinking are more important. Like our business, or you know, our family, or our financial situation, or our sport that we like, or this pastime over here that we do, or whatever your thing is. And we start giving so much time, and so much attention, and so much thought to these lesser things that we no longer have any space for God's word in our life. We just get distracted. 
Number four, sometimes it's because we're dull to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for a long time. And you've studied God's word a lot. You know what it says. And you've been faithful to follow it for years. But maybe in recent days, in recent months, in recent years, you've just gotten dull. Maybe there's a sin in your life that's unrepentant. And so the Holy, you're quenching the Holy Spirit and you're just not, he's just not driving the bus right now for you. Maybe there's some unforgiveness in your heart or some bitterness in a relationship. Maybe you're just tired. And so you're not giving God the attention that he needs. But whatever it is, you become dull and you no longer feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit to walk in the ways of the Lord. And if that's you, you, it's just a matter of humility. You just need to humble yourself before the Lord and say, God, please reignite this fire in my heart. I need you. I can't, obviously, I can't do this on my own. I need the Holy Spirit. Please fill me again. And then number five, this might be the most prominent one today. Many people don't walk according to God's word because they're deceived into believing another truth or what they think is another truth. But right here in the text, when he tells Joshua to do his, and follow God's word, he says, do not turn to the right or to the left. In other words, there is no other viable option for your life to get to a good and prosperous place. You want to have good success? You want to have a prosperous life? There's no other option except for God's word. That's what he's saying. Right? That, that new business plan that you're all jacked about, that new weight loss program or workout regiment, that new psychological theory or method, that new self-help book, none of that is going to bring you the good success that God has called you to, which is walking with him in his power, in his presence, in his mission. God's word is the only way. Don't get deceived thinking that something else is going to get you there, is going to make you happy, is going to fulfill what you're looking for. Only God's word can do that. Some of you know my story. You know I have a, a little bit of a business background and, and, and I have always kind of had this little kind of entrepreneurial bug in me to do things and start things. And so occasionally, I, I, I just find it interesting. This is, I know, a weird thing for a lot of people, but to read just like some business case studies and just kind of like to see like what, how does mission and how does leadership like lead to like the growth and fall of these different organizations and such. And so, <clears throat> so I, I thought I'd just kind of give you some examples because I think, I think they're pertinent here. So let me give you a good example to start. So um, first of all, Chick-fil-A. All right, everybody loves Chick-fil-A, you know, some good Jesus chicken, right? So, um, so Chick-fil-A has been growing and profiting for years. It just seems like they're just continually growing in success more and more and more. And when you look at them, the reason that they're so successful is not because of their great customer service, although that's good. It's not because of the, the magic Chick-fil-A sauce, okay? It's because they're committed to a single mission, making the best chicken sandwich, right? They don't get distracted with all these other products. They don't get, try to diversify into other areas of food. Like, they're just like, we're just going to do chicken really good, 
And they do. And by staying focused on the mission, they continue to be successful. Now, an opposite story of that comes from popular autom- automobile manufacturer GM, General Motors. Many of you are familiar with them. Many of you probably derive their products. GM was started in 1908, so it's over 100 years old. And for nearly 100 years, it was the, one of the most important car manufacturers in the world. It was one of the largest employers in the world, which led then to, back in 08, 09, if you remember, one of the largest bankruptcies in human history. And they were going under, and the government had to come along and assist them to keep them afloat and keep them going. But as they've looked back and they've studied what happened, what went wrong? How did, the big, how did one of the biggest automobile manufacturers in the world almost go belly up? It's because they got off mission. They started focusing more attention on getting profits from financing and other side things than from just making really great cars that people actually wanted to buy and drive. And they lost market share. And since they've kind of been reinvigorated with with this extra cash, they've refocused and they've started focusing on manufacturing again and actually making good cars, and they've seen profits start to rise again. So what's my point? Like, you're like, Mike, I'm not here for a business lesson. Like, what's the point? The point is this. The same thing applies to God's church. If we want to have good success as God defines, if we want to be successful, we have to stay on mission. We can't get distracted with all the other stuff. We can't get off on all these other tangents. We're here to do one thing, church, to glorify God by saving the lost and making disciples. Period. And if we do that well, God will take care of everything else. The mission is the same. Keep pursuing God's promises. And the method is the same. Keep walking in God's word. That's what has the power to save. That's what has the power to change. It's the word of God. Last thing this morning, real quickly, look at verse 9. He finishes with this statement. He says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So it's the third time he said this now, and his point here is this, keep pressing forward in God's presence and power. This is the key, this is the linchpin to the whole thing. Although I think it's interesting in verse 9, he starts off and he says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Notice, God's saying like, listen, this isn't a suggestion This isn't an option or just an encouragement. Like, hey, it might be a nice thing to try. Try being strong and courageous. No, no. He's like, I'm commanding you to be strong and courageous. Why? Because if your faith is in me, then you can be nothing else. God's saying, listen, if you really believe in me, if you trust me, if you love me, if you follow me, then the only option for you is to be strong and courageous because you're with me. And God doesn't do anything else. So he's commanding Joshua here to walk in this. He says, do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. He says that, why? Because Joshua was probably 
frightened and dismayed. Moses is gone. We're going to this new land. What's going to happen? I don't, I don't see how it's going to work. He was fearful. God's saying, don't be scared. I, I know the mission is huge. I know the mission is long and hard and bigger than any of us. But it's not bigger than God. God can do it, and he will do it through us. I think most of the time when we get off mission, some of it might be fear of the mission in general, but a lot of times it's not so much the fear of the mission, it's personal fears about how the mission is going to impact me. The fear comes when I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of failure. Well, if, if, I, if I pour into this person, if I disciple them, if I, if I, you know, talk with them and share with them, like, what if it doesn't work out? What if they fail? What if they leave the faith? What if they, they, don't, they don't grow? Like, I don't know if I want to put in all that time and effort if it's going to possibly fail. Or fear of rejection. Like, I, I know I'm supposed to share my faith and share, my, share the gospel, but, but what if I tell this person and they reject it? What if they get mad at me? What if they don't talk to me anymore? What if I lose my job because it gets back to the boss that I was sharing the gospel at work? Like, what, what happens? I'm afraid of rejection and how that might play out in my life. Or I'm afraid of the sacrifice. I'm afraid that if I step out and I really follow God on mission, he's going to ask me to give up some things that I don't want to give up. It's going to cost me more than I really want to pay. Or maybe I'm just afraid of discomfort. We had a whole series we just went through on suffering, right? I think it's pretty plain and clear now that, listen, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, if you're going to be a Christian, part of that life is suffering. Suffering for the gospel. That's just what it is. And if we're so afraid to be uncomfortable, if we're so afraid to suffer and and to walk through some discomfort, then we'll never, ever walk on mission with the Lord. But God says, don't be afraid. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. Here's why. For the Lord, your God, is with you. God's answer to my fear is himself. It's not some new strategy. It's not some new book or new technique to fix this or that. No, it's just, it's okay. I'm with you. It's me. It's my presence. You see, if we have the Lord, then we have enough. Nothing else matters. His his presence is our peace. His power is what empowers us. We don't have to be afraid because God promises to be with us every step of the mission. Right there, Joshua, he says, that God, don't be afraid because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever the mission takes us, God is with you. We read Matthew 28 earlier, right? He says, go make disciples. I am with you always to the end of the age. That promise still applies to us, church. It's not just Joshua. He promised it to all of the disciples of Christ. God says, I'm with you, so don't stop going. 
And I think this whole story of Joshua is really interesting. And then if you fast forward into the coming years for Israel, right? Joshua leads them into the land. They conquer all the people. They get the promised land. It's all theirs finally. And then we see Israel start to just kind of settle in. All right, they, they finally got there. They finally arrived. They're finally, and they just kind of settle in, and they just get comfortable. And when they get comfortable, they get off mission. They stop being a light to the other peoples around them, and they start actually living and worshiping like them instead of the reverse. They, they get so comfortable that they just start sitting on God's provision and all that he's given them instead of using it to keep worshiping him and to keep following him, and they just take it all for granted. So much so that they started to look more like the people of the world than the world was looking like them. And they lost their purpose. They lost their mission. And when they did, when they lost their purpose in God, shortly thereafter, God took away the provision and the promise, and he sent them into exile. Harvest, we do not want that to be our story. The moment we say, oh, got a building, doing good, we're just going to kind of settle in, we don't have to step and tear down, it's going to be so much easier, we're just going to be comfortable now, we got our 150 people, we're just going to enjoy that and just be a church. Just write the death sentence. Just go ahead and start the timer because it's only a matter of days until God will shut this church down. We have to keep going. We have to stay on mission. We're entering a new season of ministry, but the mission is the same. Glorify God by reaching the lost and making disciples. Keep pressing forward in God's presence and in God's power. Because it's God's strength, not my strength, not your strength. It's God's strength that compels us to keep walking in courageous faith. It all comes from him. It's his promises, but it's our purpose. It's his mission but he's given it to us as our mandate to keep going. It's always his strength. Like, we have to remember that. We have to rely on his strength. It's always his strength, but he asks us for courageous faith to keep the mission going. As you saw earlier, you know, some of you, you've been here from the very beginning. And I had you raise your hand if you were here on launch Sunday. Some of you weren't here on launch, but you were here the week after or two weeks after. And you've been here for a while now. And so what I'm asking you today is just to recommit. Reconsider why we're here, what we're doing, double down, and let's keep pressing forward for the Lord. For those of you who are newer, maybe you've only been here, maybe it's your first week, maybe this is your first month. You thought, I'm just going to go and check out this church. It'll be nice. It'll, you know, just kind of find a church home, just kind of slide in. And you're, not, you're not here to join a church. If you're here, if God's calling you here, it's not to just be a part of a church. 
It's to join a movement of people that are on mission to glorify God by making disciples. That's what we're about. That's what we're going to be about. And I want us to do it together. Right? Like the reason God has brought us all here is not just to have a good Sunday morning time. It's to be on mission together. So Harvest, that's what we're running after as we step into the new building. Stand with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we bow before you this morning. God, we thank you that you are here with us today. God, we thank you, God, that your presence meets us here so faithfully every week, every Sunday. God, I just pray right now that you would reignite in our hearts this fire, this passion, Lord, to be on mission, to be strong, to be courageous, to be pursuing the promises that you have given your church, that you will build it, that you will save, that you will disciple, or that you will be with us every step of the way, Lord. We believe that. And we want to walk in that this morning. Heavenly Father, we're just so, so thankful, so grateful, Lord, that you called us to this place, Lord, that you have called us to be your children. You've saved us through Jesus Christ. Thank you for your gracious love towards us. Lord, fill us once again this morning with courageous faith that we might glorify and fulfill your mission. Fill us up. Fill us up for this next season of ministry, for this next chapter at Harvest Church. Lord, have your way with us. In Christ's name we pray.